Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 213. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Gideon Hill. We've got a lot to get through. It's been a, a busy week in Whitecaps land, Canadian soccer as well. We're going to cover all that and a lot more tonight. Kicking things off, though, with a, a look at the, the disappointing, or was it, loss of points in Colorado. And that's the first thing I want to put to you guys. It's like, last week, we were cock-a-hoop, thrashed Dallas in Dallas, 4-0 win. As we've talked about several times this year, the Caps seem to play themselves up when it's against a good team. Then, when it's not that good a team, they, they seem to drop their levels a little bit, and then they're down a little bit at that. So a two-all draw in Colorado. Most years going to Colorado in the summer, in the altitude, in the heat, you're happy with a point. Good point to pick up, Steve? Or did you feel it was two points lost considering the performance they had put in the week before and just how tough Colorado have found it so far this year? I, I think they should have gotten the three points. But in fact, I don't blame um, Colorado for. I mean, I don't blame Vancouver for losing those two points because I feel like they they did what they had to do. There was unfortunately a couple of really bad misses, uh, well, not bad misses, but near misses that they should have scored on. And I think that the goals they let, especially the first one, uh, another unfortunate bounce um, where it bounces off Williams goes off the other guy. And goes right to a back heel, which set up the goal, which is like a second back heel that set up a goal in the last uh, three games, I think. The uh, going ahead goal. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the goals and back heels a lot more in this section. But, but Gideon, did you feel it was a, a good point to pick up, or did you feel it was two points lost considering? just how the Rapids have been this year. Well, in the past, you would say the Whitecaps, if they're down 2-1 in the road, they, some people might say they'd haul it in, but they did a very good job to, to bring themselves back, Montero, with a, an excellent finish. But if you would have told me seven points out of nine games in L.A., Dallas, and Colorado, I would not have believed you. That's a very respectable point total from those three 
toughest, arguably one of the toughest places to play in Major League Soccer. So they did a very good job to uh, come back. And they did get, get two disallowed goals in that game with, uh, in Colorado uh, last night, which is unfortunate. Not a lot to talk about that one, but either way, a, a very respectable 2-2 draw in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the, the match finished, I felt a tad disappointed because I, I just thought they, w- they would win it. You're looking to get six out of six on the road, which would have been fantastic. Four out of the six on the road is excellent. There's another game coming up in New England, which we'll talk about in the second part. You're looking at the Caps could realistically take home five, seven points from this road trip, which considering how things have been previous summers, I mean, it, it's fantastic. And I think that, you know, I know you're disappointed in, the, in, in that, but think of it this way. They got four out of six points in Colorado. Not just four of the six points in the last two games. Yeah, this year, and that's not thing that they usually do. They definitely, they they rarely get points in Colorado. They get a win once in a while, maybe once every couple of years. But this year, they got four out of six. I mean, I I was a bit happier about the performance when I woke up this morning. It was just yeah. the initial feeling. Well, maybe that was the difference because I I was at the fireworks yesterday, so I didn't get to watch the game live, and I watched it the next day. Uh, I I missed all the fireworks last yeah. night. <laughs> fireworks were on the pitch last night in yeah. Michael's home, <laughs> but the. The lineup. There were some more changes to it, which we expected because there were some guys rested in Dallas, and you knew that some of them were going to be brought back. But then Robinson had rewarded a lot of the people for the Portland game because of how well they had done in LA. So you're wondering, is he going to keep that going, and is he going to reward and start the same starting lineup? Looking at just a couple of the changes, yeah. Big one at right back, and Shane Williams kept his place. Uh, the the sake of player of the month, Jake Nerwinski. No, I I disagree with that one. I think Jake would have been a good choice there. Um, and I think they... Another one I really didn't like was Christian Tichera not coming back in the lineup. I thought he should have been back in there. Um, I know Bernie Abisi uh, scored the goal, but I think that they... Um, uh, Christian Tichera has shown enough, and when he came on... He made a big difference in the game, and I think he I, th- I think he deserved, even though he might not have been part of the Dallas win, but I think he deserved a, a spot just as play this year so far. Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's nice to see Bernie Abini play and, and get some minutes, especially he has been pulled off earlier uh, than some people would have liked as uh, as he was pulled off because he might, might might not have as much fitness as Jordy Reyna does. Um, but uh, you know, I was okay with him starting. Unfortunately, Teixeira is not starting the past two games has broken his consecutive streak, but when he came on, he definitely changed the game. The service from free kicks and, and different crosses in the box uh, were just incredible. And you don't, you hadn't seen that all game really from yeah. corner kicks or really anything for the Whitecaps. Like if anybody was going to get a rest yesterday, I should have been uh, Bolognese, I think, out of, the two, out of the two that didn't play in Dallas if they wanted to give extra rest to one of them. Yeah, I mean, I expected Abini to keep his place in the starting lineup. So that, that wasn't a huge surprise. I thought, though... That yeah, Bola would be the one that would be rested, and I thought they would bring Teixeira in to to have those up the wings. Four four one one formation is what the team set out to be. Didn't always keep that shape because players are very fluid and they kind of move in and out of that. But I mean, I thought it worked. If we look at the the start of the game, Caps had a, a little bit of a, a scare in the opening minutes. There was Hairston within inches, within a hair really of taking the lead for Colorado with a shot that went past the, the left post then the Caps just went straight up the pitch and took the lead with a fantastic finish from, from Chani 
Yeah, perfect spot of spotting of the shot. And he was able to pick that up and just Howard had no chance. I don't think Howard could even see the ball. No, I, I don't know if it was deflected or not, but it was just a perfect shot. Some players would try and hit that one high outside the box, but nicely done to place it low and off the post and a nice, nice lead for the Whitecaps. And when they took the lead, I, I did feel at that point, I thought, yeah, they're going to go on now. They're, they're going to be comfortable winners in, in this. But to their credit, Colorado knuckled down. They got themselves back into it. Thoughts on that goal? Yeah, second balls on, uh, I believe it was a free kick or corner kick. Either way, it was it was it's tough to to get rid of second balls dropped down the area, especially with a guy like Schuberg. He does have the physical presence, but it, it was like it was a good shot from him. But either way, I think it could have been avoided for the Whitecaps' perspective. I, I think the the former Thunder Bay chill player. I think he um, made a smart move to get away. Like usually, yeah. you stay in that area, but he actually broke away from his defender. Yeah. I think it was Tim Parker defending him. Mistake. What was it, Jacobson? One of them were definitely. And he just got away, rolled around, and he found a spot. He got a little lucky that Williams' uh, clearance header didn't really get out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, other than that, he, he got away and he found a spot to score. I mean, it was a, a disappointing defensive effort for a lot of the match from the Whitecaps again. And Williams, it was his header that wasn't cleared. He didn't necessarily lose Schulberg, but that was the position that you would expect Williams to have actually been in to start with. But when you see a guy like that just having so much free space to do what he basically wants in the box, you know that something's broken down somewhere. So, I mean, that, that's going to have disappointed them. But, I mean, even with that, you did feel, I thought, that the Caps were going to to get themselves back in it and then go on and do something, get the win. But it was that free kick that, that in the second half that really, like, that was just, I, I hate, that one I hated more because that was just a poor delivery by Bola. Yeah, and it and it and then at that point, Lava did his normal foot stab into uh, try to uh, you know and it, and then because he did that he was left completely out of position, and I remember seeing that I think there were three players behind him when that that happened like Bola and two defenders, and by the time the ball got there I think four had four other caps had passed him by. Like he was the seventh man back or something like that. Even though he was yeah. the he was maybe the fourth highest in. It, it, it was it was like he he was still jogging at that point. He wasn't even still in a sprint or anything like that. But there's nothing you could do like that with, with that delivery was like maybe into the box deeper into the box. Maybe that doesn't even happen where they're able to counterattack. I mean, they were Vancouver. They were like beaten by a quick breakaway, and it's just disappointing to to have that happened to them and it, that's what they're known for yeah uh, me and steve were talking the way here about uh back heels in in past and i remember in portland like uh, two weeks ago sunday when evo bc uh gave or score i should say assisted to go for portland again yesterday just a bad bounce again for the whitecaps a nice little pass from harrison and, and a good finish as well for kevin doyle who's been a man in somewhat form for colorado this year yeah, I mean, Doyle and I used to have a, a few tussles before that. I used to get the better off him with a, a couple of saves. I mean, talking of the back heels, the amount of back heels in that match just today was incredible. Now, oh, yeah. I remember like I, like, I was watching it um, while doing one other thing, and then I just kept hearing back heel, back yeah. heel, back heel. It was like this regular like, thing. I, I was at training on Friday. I didn't see them practice back heels, but I don't know if that had been the build-up to the week. It's like, hey, let's get some back heels. Well, both teams. Both yeah. teams were doing it too. When yeah. it comes off, it looks spectacular. When it doesn't come off, you're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was uh, maybe it was MLS uh, or like brought over by MLS to start doing more back heels to <laughs> improve the game or something. I don't know. I think I, I think you can buy it with Bam. 
Yeah, possibly. Bam. <laughs> so who who do you guys think was the man of the match? Who's your man? Well, of the we match? haven't talked about our the goal that got us the point first. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, that would lead into my man yeah. of the match. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> so, talking about like what are you doing and shouting at the TV that with some of the back heels in the first half, there was a breakaway where the Caps had four men rushing forward. Montero had the ball. Three men to his left, and he has a wild shot. And you're going, what are you doing? Yeah. But you do like your strikers to have a shot. Yeah. Put the ball in the net. And you can't knock Montero. He did it again. Ninth goal of the year. Brought the Caps level at two all. And, I mean, you're talking about it brings you up to your man of the match. So I'm interested to see if you're going for Montero or Teixeira as your man of the well, match. Well, if, if, if he was in, I, I think it's hard for me to give a substitute a man of the match unless he yeah. accidentally does, like... And I think I thought he played awesome, yeah. but I I don't know if he turned the game completely. I think Montero, be, based on his early play too, because I thought he was really good during the whole game. He had six shots in yeah. the whole game, and but I, only two on target. No, only one on target actually, which was the goal. But even his shots that missed the target were solid, oppor- dangerous opportunities. And so I think I would give Montero the man of the match once again. See, I, I think I gave it to him last week. Too. I would give it to Teixeira. Okay. I, I feel when he came on, he just added that offensive yeah. spark. And the cross for the goal was fantastic. And we've had a couple of crosses just before that that weren't put away. And I know it's it's hard to give a sub that's on for less than half an hour. But I just think he changed the game. Because the caps in the first half were excellent. And then the second half, they just had nothing going for the, the first 15, 20 minutes. And it's only when he came on that they dominated possession. It was wave after wave of attack. And it was a lovely finish from Montero for the goal. Yeah, going back to a few minutes before that, I think Tachira played another good ball to Shea, who was offside, who actually scored. So that was how, a bit how, of... How did Shea get off that up far <laughs> offside? Where does he end up paying attention? Yeah. I so, don't get that one at all. So yeah, that was disappointing. But it was nice to see the Caps rebound and, and get that goal from Montero. Again, another excellent finish. Nine in the season. He's definitely picking it up after that brutal stretch there. So... My man of match was Teixeira. Montero's is Steve. What about you, Gideon? Who did you have pegged as your man of the match for that one? Uh, I was thinking Tony Chani, but I, I would definitely say Freddie Montero, who, who, yeah, again, ninth goal of the season. He's played very well recently, 3-2 and two now, so that, that would be the man of the match of the game yesterday. I mean, Chani had a, a great game. So let's talk about some of the individual highs. We've talked a little bit about Teixeira. I feel he, he changed the game with his crosses, Montero. But Chani as well... He's been a, such a frustrating player. You've got the last couple of games where he's looked excellent. He's got three goals now for the season, which is kind of, considering how he's been playing, it's amazing and like quite surprising. But then there's other games where he just disappears altogether. And I kind of thought he might have been rested for this one because I kind of was expecting them to maybe rest Labo for one of these three games, less Jacobson for one well, of the games, and then Chani. But obviously needs must with Waston being out. Yeah, yeah that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like, if I think Waston was there, I think Jacobson would have played for Chani in the pot. Yeah, spot. I was going to say if, if, yeah, if uh, Waston was there, who would, or Waston wasn't there, who would you replace with, uh, with that? But. Yeah, I mean, Waston still back in Costa Rica, trying to sort out some visa issues. They hope that they, they can get sorted out soon. Everything has to get done in Costa Rica, though, which is why he can't do it remotely. And if you think about it, he did join the Caps in August. So there is probably a chance that 
either his work visa or something has expired, so he maybe has to go and, and get that sorted out. That yeah. should have been sorted out ages ago, I think. Yeah, but there could be a little bit more to it as well. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, him being out did force Jacobson again to, to start there. Chani, I, I thought he did he did good. A, a couple of times, you just expect a little bit more from him, but when he's given a bit more freedom as he was in this game, that's when he seems to really, really thrive. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he... Uh, does well in structured environments. Yeah. I think he needs to be more free playing, and, and and maybe that. But I don't know if that fits with what Robbo wants to do either. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of things over the players that maybe don't fit quite what Robbo's wanting them to do. I mean, a- any other players stand out for you as having really positive inputs into that draw? I, I thought Parker was as good as usual. Yeah, um, very uh, steady. Um, and and then. Everybody plays solid. Nobody put. Yeah. I, I even f- feel the people with the that were on the low side. They weren't horrible. There was no. no there's yeah. no. There was no like horrendous. Um, there were individual like moments, but there was no overall bad game. Maybe uh, Brexia once again didn't do much coming off the bench um, like he did as a starter against Dallas. Yeah. And it's strange because that training on Friday, she was in the group that obviously wasn't in the starters group, and they were practicing free kicks and just taking shots from the edge of the box uh, in against Marunovic and getting played in and trying to do little shimmies and stuff. And she was fantastic. He buried so many chances, and you're like, wow. Um, and then you expect him to come on and, and possibly do that. And he did have his chance, but he put it in the in the net and it was offside. <laughs> and it, it was offside. That was like a Darren Maddox offside. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he, he is a guy that you can, I think, rely on to bring on and get goals. You don't really want that from a designated player. Though. You don't want to be paying all that money for a guy that's going to be spending most of his time on the bench. Other bits offensively that, again, not poor, but not standouts, were Reyna and Ebini. They they both did fairly well. But I I don't know if we've got our expectations, or if I've got my expectations of Reyna too high. I think because, everybody does a little too well, high. Yeah, but you yeah. saw what he did pre-season, then he scored a goal in his home debut, and he's just got these fantastic little flashes, but it sometimes feels that he's trying to do maybe a little bit too much. Well, it's it's hard to argue because a bit too much is sometimes good. Other times it's, as we saw yesterday, there's a few giveaways. Uh, we've seen that in games past, but it has worked out in the New York game. I remember he turned over a few times when he scored, and and yesterday as well, he and Ibini interchanged very well. It was sometimes Reyna would float out wide. Ibini moved in a few times, as you saw. So they link link up well, which I like. But I don't know if you're going to see them in the starting eleven as much as you have recently. Uh, I should say the two games recently as m- more into the future, see them together. Yeah, it, it's this next lineup and the home game after that, which I think is Houston. Seattle. Is it Houston? Houston, then? August nineteenth. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to be interesting lineups just to see. At some stage, Robo's going to want to nail down as close to a steady starting lineup for the run-in as possible. But I don't think we'll see that maybe until into towards the end of September. It's yeah. so hard to, yeah. though, with the, th- the way things have gone and injuries. And for me, yeah. for, But for me, if, if everybody's healthy, there's five players that are definitely your, in part of your starters. And the other six can be interchangeable, I think. I think you got, um, obviously, Ousted, Parker Watts, Waston, um, Maybe Laba and maybe Montero, and I'm only saying Laba because I know Robbo would put Laba in every yeah. game. No so Harvey. I, no. Yeah, no, I was thinking. Although Harvey. I would think I think Dion could 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 spell him once in a while. Like I I, I would I, I would put Harvey as your main starter, but I I see like if if they're playing 
you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, over and over again, I think you can spell Harvey uh, game here. Brett Levi's could get in there. If, well, if, if he's, he's healthy. Yeah, healthy, yeah, he is getting very close because, again, he was in full training on Friday and looking really sharp. And like Shea was finishing some fantastic shots as well. For me, if I had to pick maybe the worst performance out there, I think I would maybe go with Williams. Again, it wasn't a stinker. No. But he he got the nod, and I think it was probably because Waston was out that they maybe wanted a little bit more of an experienced head at the back because you've, you've got, a, a, as good as he has been, you've got someone that isn't actually a centre-back playing centre-back. So I think that might be why Williams kept his place. But going forward, do you go with Williams? Do you go with Nerwinski? I th- I think, honestly, it has to be Williams just because they brought him in for that purpose. I think Nerwinski was more cover than anything. Um, yeah, Williams, I think it's just rewarding for performances previously from Robbo. Obviously, he missed some time. But I think f- through the first part of the season, he was a very good player for the Vancouver. And Nerwinski, as good he was, as he was when Williams was gone, I, I would see Williams starting and uh, Nerwinski's position for the next little while. But the only thing I was surprised about was the fact that, okay, you brought Williams back against FC Dallas. That's understandable. But then you have to – it's it's very difficult to go from FC – when you have – I think he's been off for two months almost. I think or, it was in June. I think it all happened during the break that they had month, in June. Month and a half. It's a month and a half. Yeah, okay, so yeah. if he's not, he hasn't played in a game competition month and a half. And obviously for some of it, he wasn't even training either. Yeah. Um. You 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 play him in Dallas, and then you play him in Colorado, which is el- different elements. But it's gonna it's gonna wear down on you, even if it's only a week away. That's why I thought Nowitzki, because he hasn't. It's not like he's playing poor. Like you said, man man of the month. I think Nowitzki should have started against Colorado just for that reason, because he hadn't played so much. And um, like you, you said yourself, he didn't play horribly, but there were a moment here and there where he looked unsteady. And you shouldn't have to look unsteady against Colorado. No. I mean, the, the Caps they came away with a point. Looking at just some of the stats, 14 shots to Vancouver. They outshot Colorado 14 to 12. But Colorado had four shots on target to Vancouver's two. So the only two shots we got on target were the two goals. Another goal from a set piece as well. So, I mean, that was all good. Then it was the first experience in a Whitecaps MLS game of VAR. Being the big talking point this weekend. A couple all of across, Yeah, MLS. In the, the Caps game, there was an incident which I thought was going to go and get called with VAR in the second half, which was a potential handball on Andrew Jacobson. Yeah. And the commentators were adamant it was going to go to VAR and get reviewed in a that penalty. Was, well, it was but, reviewed. It was reviewed. Um, and it, it did look like a, a came off his arm. But apparently I saw somewhere earlier today that they, they, from a different angle, it actually went more shoulder than yeah. arm. And it has so, to be a clear yeah, thing on clear the pitch. Thing. It's wrong. Uh, yeah. and, and the thing yeah. is, Jacobson's like diving, so you can't really prove that he's like uh, what's a normal, like, you know, yeah. coming down there. Um, there was an incident earlier, too, when there was that Jacobson uh, kick out with Doyle. Oh, yes. And they, they stopped him there. And the, and you could tell he was he had yeah. his hand, hand in his ear. So that might have been that reviewed could, for a red card situation. Yeah, I think that probably was. So yeah, there, that could. They had two instances in that case. Yeah, that could have been that. That could have been potentially awful for the Whitecaps. The way that twice I think Jacobson kicked out and Doyle went after him too, regardless. But yeah, th- yeah, that could have. Yeah, been but we could have got Doyle off the pitch. And scored <laughs> the winner. But the 
when VAR comes in, the way that the refereeing's gone against the Whitecaps this year in MLS and previous years, you kind of thought, oh, we're going to be the first team that's penalised by VAR. You can just tell we'll have a goal scored or something against us or whatever, but we weren't. There were a couple of instances, though, this weekend. Dallas had a goal ruled out because yeah. of VAR. And then today, LA Galaxy thought they had taken a, a 2-1 lead. Good old Jizzy Gardas put the ball in the net, but... <laughs> It was ruled out as well, yeah. and it was and that for that that game. Yeah, it was for a handball, and it was obvious. But the commentators watching it, they hadn't, they didn't really know what was going on either. But I mean, it's been used; it's been used effective. And they got and, screens all over the place, so the yeah. referee doesn't have to. I hope that's in all stadiums. I'm not sure if it is or not. I think it would have, yeah, because even at the USL game when they had it uh, two games ago, yeah. they had it testing the the Whitecaps two game, and they had all the screens down the front, and there were screens up the back. And my thinking is that if it's an a, a, an official like a referee that's doing this, uh, doing the VAR, right? Let him make the call. Like in, in, that's the thing they're not the, wanting to take. They want their man in the middle to be the guy that no, has the ultimate decision. I, I think you can have somebody else make the call because if you look at a, a sport like uh, cricket, for example, cricket, the person in the booth makes the call if the, it's out or not or whatever. Um, I know obviously this is not the cricket show, but um, but, well, but there r- are sports. Rugby as well. Yeah, the, the, the referee calls for the screen and then listens and they review it and they talk everything through yeah. and then they, they make the decision. Yeah, so I think that I think it would actually go faster that way too in, in that case. Then what is like what does the referee do in that instance then? Does he just listen? He's he is the guy that was there though, right? So he just I know, wants but if he, if, if he missed the call, then he missed the call. He shouldn't have to he shouldn't be able to make the final call then if he needs a, a video. But it, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I think it would go faster. It was way. used a lot this weekend, which yeah. I think says a lot about the the state of pro referees that like I, I, I basically, I, uh, I normally record, when I record the game, I just put an extra five minutes. I actually put an extra half an hour just in case I yeah. didn't know what was going to happen. So yeah. I just put an extra half hour beyond the. I do that the game anyway because yeah. I don't know when the games are going to start half the time. That's true. Yeah. Um, one thing about VAR in the Portland game, uh, there was an incident, and the Portland fans today were chanting VAR, VAR, VAR. It helped them. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be a, a good first weekend, so let's hope it continues in that vein. Let's just not jinx it. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But when something bad goes against us, we'll, we'll see if we have the, the same kind of thing. Last thing I want to talk about in this segment, though, is just about the tightness in the Western Conference. Portland winning today knocked the Whitecaps out of the playoff places. They've gone down to seventh. You have to look at the standings just now and think, though, that already at this early stage of the season. And I know teams can make runs of wins and runs of losses and it doesn't take too much to, to turn a team's fortunes around, good or bad. But you have to look at that table and think six of seven teams are fighting for those playoff places. And at the moment, the Whitecaps are the team that's sitting out of it. They've got games in hand for five of the teams above them. I Dallas think is the Dallas only is, one that's yeah. not. And it's two, at least two games in hand on all the other teams above them. So they're still in a really good mix, but it just shows you that you go to a place like Colorado and you get a point and you think, that's good. But then it's not been good enough. You've dropped out of the playoff places. Yeah, but This you is can, going to be crazy going into the you, last couple of months. They have to make up the, those extra games, especially those midweek games. They need to win those. They need to basically go perfect at home now. They can't afford yeah. to drop any more points at home. Like, okay, they can drop a couple points here and there if there's a draw. 
but they need to win yeah. almost all their home games and then pick up a point here and there on the road, and they should easily beat the playoffs at that point. It all depends on if they want to host that game in the first round or second round. Yeah, they seem to be better on the road, but when, when you look at the teams that's out with the playoff places just now, Real Salt Lake's played three games more than the Whitecaps, and they're in eighth spot. LA's played one more. Yeah, I mean, LA... I think they're. I don't think they're making it. No, I don't think. I think that, this is a different year. I mean, even though they've they've appointed our our favourite gobble gobble guy, bit of a surprise, only to the end of the season. But it's hard to see they they gonna have to go on a fantastic run, and then they lost today, so they they lost more ground on the teams above them. It's crazy to think that the players could come around and the Galaxy's not going to be in it. And remember, the FC Dallas has now lost two in a row. Yeah, Four yeah. Dallas, three, one. yeah. And they tend to drop. Uh, usually at around yeah. this time, they either have a horrible start or a horrible end. And this year, it looks like it'll be about the middle where they, they start Well, Houston's dropping. been up and down. They started strong. They had a big dip. Now they've... They've come good again. I, for Houston, I think it all depends on when their road trips are and when they're playing at home. They pick up most of their points at home. Well, Colorado now is going on a, a big stretch of away games, which is kind of bad for the Caps because you've not got teams going to Colorado. Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, we'll see. Things like that work against them. But right now, with what, two and a half months still yeah. to go. 13 games. Do you see the White Caps making the playoffs? Yes. yes. In unison. <laughs> yes, all right. That's a very positive way to end this part. I, I don't see, the, 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 out of the six teams above them right now, I think San Jose is most likely to drop. They're a young team. Yeah, that's, that's the team that I think is going to drop out as well. Because there's only three points between us and Houston for third, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So oh, it's three points as well. Oh, Three points to tie. Yeah, three points we have 31. Yeah. And then we're six points off first place at Sporting Kansas City, but we have two games in hand yeah. against them. So, yeah. And Kansas City aren't playing as well as they could be right now yeah. although no Dwyer but yeah so a very positive way to end this part we'll be back with looking at the Whitecaps next game in New England after this I saw two shooting stars last night I wished on them but they were only satellites it's wrong to wish on space hardware I wish I wish I wish you can I don't want to change the world I'm not looking Billy Bragg singing about New England. Don't think he was singing about the revolution. Well, I, I know for a fact he wasn't singing about the revolution, but it's a, a nice little intro into talking about the Whitecaps' next game. Third game on the road, heading east, Eastern Conference opposition, New England Revolution, another team that is struggling just now. Second bottom of the east. On paper, you're thinking, yeah, they're going to go, they'll do well, finish this road trip with an amazing seven points. But it might not be as easy as we all think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's another place where the weather is a, a different thing. It's really humid out east and hot. And so they're going to have to go through another temperature change. And also, New England does play well at home at times. Yeah. And 7 yeah. 2 and 2 this year at home. So very strong. Yeah, and but they do obviously they play on turf, so that maybe plays a little bit into what Vancouver's used to as well. Goals wise as well, like the Caps are on plus one, New England's on minus one. So yeah. there's been a lot of high scoring games for for New England. So I think there's going to be goals in this game. But this is a game when you look at some of the the tough ones on the schedule. It's a lower team. 
you have to hope that the Caps are going to go there and at least come away with a point. Yeah, just looking at the Whitecaps remaining schedule now, they do play uh, three more, including Saturday's game, away to Eastern Conference opposition, one being Orlando, one being New York. So if you're looking at trying to take something away from Eastern teams, this would be the team to do it, especially in New England and Gillette Stadium, which hasn't been the friendliest of, of confronts, the Whitecaps. But yeah. It, I mean, it's one one game that you would definitely look at to see if they can pull away a point, if not three, steal yeah. something. I mean, Orlando away in August That's, is not a yeah. nice trip to to have. It's going to be so, so hot down there. But, I mean, you have to, to think that they've got a good chance in this one. We'll look at the Whitecaps lineup and stuff in, in a little bit or what we think it might be. Looking at some of New England's danger men, they've got three three guys leading the team at the moment on eight goals. One guy who played very little with the Whitecaps, one guy who almost played with the Whitecaps, <laughs> if you believe rumors, and then... Um, Actually, two guys that almost played for the Whitecaps, well, no, if you I, believe rumors. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's uh, Lee Nguyen, Lee, oh, well, Lee Nguyen, Kai Kamaro, and Juan Ad- Agudela. Yeah, Agudela's been a name that, the last couple of off-seasons, is, he's been a name that's been floated about as a possible signing for the Whitecaps. Yeah. I don't know if if there's been anything to that or if it's just a little bit more speculation. But the three of them leading the way on eight goals. Lee Wynn, clearly their danger guy because yeah. he also leads the team on 10 assists, which is a staggering amount of assists. Yeah, so he basically seems like he's running the team yeah. or running the attack. He's the guy you want to kick or leave <laughs> him in a hotel room trying to find his TV. This is a very balanced New England team. This is not like a one-sided team we've seen other teams in the past, but this is... Very good, uh, well-put-together squad, and they, they know how to score goals, they know how to defend, and this will be a very interesting test for the Caps. Looking at the other guys that seem to, to make the team tick, Diego Fagundes has seven assists, and Kamara as well has chipped in four assists. Kamara is still very up and down. Sometimes he's looking great, sometimes he's not. Still a guy I'd love to see here in a Whitecaps shirt. A lot of people say he wouldn't be good for the locker room, but... I don't know. I don't, yeah. It, it's what you make. I mean, folks said that about Breck Shea. It's like, why are you bringing him in? He's not going to be good for the locker room. And the guys love him, and he loves being in this team. And he loves the harmony of the squad, and he, th- he thinks it's fantastic. Big decisions, though, for Robo heading into this one. I'm expecting a few more changes. Defence-wise, obviously, I said going to get the start in goal. Well, when you probably well, most likely you could see. I don't yeah. see. I don't see him being rotated, but never know. Well, if there's a game that they they were going to do, it would probably be this one. I don't know. I'd stick Marinovic in for Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. <laughs> Just throw him in. Yeah, there. he's from New Zealand. Yeah, it gets hot sometimes there. Although wrong I, months though. When I spoke to Meyer Bev in not the last home game, but the home game before. He was complaining about how hot it was in Vancouver, and yeah. I'm thinking, you're from New Zealand, man. It gets really hot there. Well, it gets hot in the wrong month, though. Yeah. So he's probably used to the winter right yeah. now. Yeah, he still said he was trying to get used to the, the heat. So, <laughs> um, Harvey, for me, will Definitely still be left back. back. Yeah. Yeah. If Waston's good to go, Waston Parker is pretty much going to be the centre-back, I would think. And I want to talk a little bit in a few minutes about other centre-back options. For me, the only big defense, the only big decision in the defense is Williams or Nerwinski, which we kind of covered the last time. I think he'll bring Nerwinski yeah. back for this one, Rotation. and he is East Coast kid, uh, played in oh, UConn, course, yeah. and so it could be a nice uh, for him to start a game out there, and his family can see him and everything. Do you think if Watson doesn't come in, 
Dean maybe gets a shout and rests Lava or Channing. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with Dean. This, it's a Interesting. Bit, yeah. Um, I thought he might have been travelling with the USL team this weekend, but that wasn't... I, I was told he was, and then it was like, oh, I made a mistake. It, he, he wasn't travelling. I don't know what is happening with him. He was not at training on Friday. So your automatic assumption is always training with the, the USL guy, so he's away yeah. with them. I don't know if he has another injury. I don't know if they're trying to get him out on loan or trying to get him transferred and they don't want to play him in case another injury happens and then it, it kind of scuppers everything. Yeah. But this well, has been... Sorry, go ahead. My, my, just about that, would you, uh, my speculation, and this is just speculation, and I haven't talked to anybody, is that maybe he's an option B for somebody another team and if they are, that option A falls through then they will go after Dean mm. and um the and the Whitecaps just don't want to risk anything and yeah. and make sure that Dean is not available until or maybe he is he could be even hurt because as as he told us that um the injury is kind of off and on and he's not even sure when he has it so they have yeah. to be careful with that I remember you telling me about the Whitecaps 2 game about Dean not being in the starting 11 a couple weeks ago. That's weird because I remember he was in the 11 or I should say the 18 for one of the Caps games this weekend. So it's strange that if he was being held back, he wouldn't be in the 18 for the game. So either it's potential or they're just not playing him. It's it's really strange to me. It's very baffling the fact that he wasn't even at training on Friday. And he has been training and running about, so it doesn't look like his injury is completely back but as you say it could be on and off but you have to think that if Waston's not back they might want to to throw him into there Jacobson was wrestled against Dallas so he has at least had a rest formation wise though big decision 4-2-3-1 4-4-1-1 again do you go for a 4-1-4-1 that works so well it, it's kind of after Robo being so rigid with his 4-2-3-1 for a couple of seasons now you've got no idea from game to game exactly what he's going to go with. Which is, I mean, it's good, but... It's good that the, the opponents don't know what he's going to go with, too. That's true. I, I, I foresee maybe a four-four-one-one, just given the options at center midfield right now. If Waston isn't here, probably Jacobson, but maybe Montero gets a rest. We'll see. Probably not, but if if he does, maybe a beanie and Reyna up top. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. Shape will probably get a start if Davies is is fit. Tachera will probably start. There's just a lot of options right now, which is good. It gives Robbo headaches. Yeah. Tachera has to start. Yeah, you have to, after that performance. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's I'm, rested. I'm, I'm concerned yeah. maybe Robbo doesn't want Tachera and Reyna on the in the on the pitch at the same time because the, the height is maybe not at the right yeah. level. Maybe they just worried about the they lack size, both of them uh, and they it would hurt them. And also Tachera's defensive Ability yeah. sometimes is left wanting. There were some fans criticising a couple of his things on Twitter on Saturday night where he hadn't tracked back well or, or done well enough on that side. He has to start to me. For me, yeah. four two three one would make sense. With, I'm assuming Waston will be back. And then I would have rested Chani, but then he's just scored. So it's like, how do you rest him? I, I want to see Teixeira anyway and Reyna and Montero. Yeah. Balanius, I'm fine if he drops to the bench because I thought he was he was a little bit ineffective against Colorado on Saturday there. 
Yeah, if if Shea is if Shea should be good to go, I wouldn't mind seeing him up there. He played well in Dallas. If Alfonso Davies is good to go, I'd say throw him in there. It's been a while since he's he's been in action. Uh, he played a, a bit of the Portland game. wasn't so good in that one. Yeah. He's, he must have been dealing with something after the Gold Cup. Still, so. well, officially he has an abductor strain, and he was doing laps at training on Friday, so he's not even back in full training. He is expected to get back in full training this week, which would make me think that at best we'll see him off the bench. Yeah. Now New England, the five losses in the last seven games. They had been on a two-game running streak though until they just lost against Chicago four-one at the weekend. But it's a team I feel is there for the beating. What what's your feeling going into this? What's your predictions for this one? I got one-one. It's not going to be four-nothing like it was in Dallas. So I'm going to no. say either uh, two-one Whitecaps or two-one New England. I'm going to go uh, two-one New England. I will go 2-1 Whitecaps then. But I, I could also see a draw. I, I think we're going to take something from it. I was confident we're going to take something from Colorado. I just thought it was going to be three points. Now, there may be some new additions before Saturday's game as well, and they could possibly factor into stuff. Now, we were talking about Dean there, and Steve, you had your little theory as to what might be happening with him about the plan B option, and I think that, that could be a, a good thing. There's a guy training with the Whitecaps just now. He's a well-known guy to people that's followed the Canadian national team. And if you've got very long memories as Whitecaps fans, he was originally in the Whitecaps residency program, one of the first crops into that. Adam Straith can play defensive midfielder and also a centre-back. I want to talk about where I think he might fit into this team in a few minutes, but I got a chance to catch up with Adam at training on Friday, just talking about what's brought him back to Vancouver his career so far, Canadian national team, and a lot more beside. Here's Adam Streith. So Adam, you're back where it all began for you in the pros in, in Vancouver. What, what's brought you to Vancouver right now? Um, well, after the my, my contract ended in, in Edmonton, um, I had the contract going up until the Gold Cup. That was a, that was the plan. And then obviously, um, uh, was was without a club, without an option after the Gold Cup. Um, and I I texted Carl a couple of days after the Gold Cup to see if it was possible to come train. Um, and he was obviously, you know, he gave me a the go ahead, something that he or the club, you know, isn't doesn't necessarily have to do. Um, and they've been fantastic so far, letting me come in and 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 keep fit. So I'm more than more than appreciative of. Of what uh, of the fact that they let me come in here um, in the middle of their season, like I said, which isn't something that's kind of guaranteed. So, just very grateful and happy that I can can be in this environment um, and keeping fit with a with a good quality team. Now, you were one of the first guys that was in the residency program back in two thousand and eight. Have you noticed a big difference coming back to what the club was like back then and to what it was now? Yeah, I mean, definitely. We back when I when I first came as a 15, 16 year old. The team, the first team, was obviously in the USL back then, playing on a swan guard. You know, and you and you look at where where the team was training, uh, the facilities, um, and you compare. You know, just the facilities first of all to what what they have here now. Uh, you know, I think the professionalism of the club. You know, it's it's kind of obviously uh, upgraded to just something that's comparable to the top top leagues in Europe. You know, you look at look at what we have here, the the new building, the new pitches, um, and obviously now with the with the USL team and the academy boys moving in soon, you kind of have the the whole hierarchy. Um, everything's within grasp. It's 
it's very comparable, like I said before, to, to what it's like in Europe. And obviously I, I took in the game, uh, the last home game, um, and, and to compare that to to the years when I was here, you know, 10, 10 12 years ago, uh, you know, comparing a game in the USL at Swangard to, to what it is now, um, you know, you, you, you multiply that, you know, at least four or five times to, to see what it's like now. So, yeah, it's, it's very exciting to, I, you know, I've come back, you know, here, there throughout the years to, to see what it's like. And now, um, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of gone through higher five, five or six fold to what it has been back then. So it's very exciting. Um, obviously, the, the, the club has done a fantastic job of, of getting uh, a, good, a good fan base and a very professional environment. Now, back then in the residency days, a lot of the guys, you went to Energy Cottbus for a spell on loan. Yeah. You were one of the ones that decided to stay over in Europe. What made you make that decision? Was it just a case like once you had a taste of what it was like over there, you decided that's where you wanted to pursue things? Yeah, I mean, with that first year of the residency, we were brought in. Everyone had their own kind of um, meetings with, uh, with the coach back then. Um, and, you know, we set out kind of goals for, for each player. Um, and one of one of mine was to, if if the opportunity came, uh, was to try to to try to get to Europe at a young age, um, and the opportunity was given, you know, at at the end of that first year of residency, um, there was an opportunity that came up in Germany. Um, so right after, I think it was a week or two after my my high school graduation, I I was on a flight uh, over to Cottbus, over to, to the eastern part of Germany to to take a take part in a trial um, for a week. So. Obviously, since then, you know that uh, that went positively, and and they, they wanted to kind of keep me on. So, that like I said, that was uh, one of the goals I had uh, growing up. Obviously, back then, I didn't have you know a, as big of a club, you know, as the Whitecaps is now. You didn't have uh, three Canadian teams in the MLS. You know, the the, the goals were a little different um, as they are now. I think I think now young kids growing up, they're so close to to such a a well-run club and a and, and a big club that you know some some guys might have different uh, different goals to, to stay a bit closer to home now. Um, but for me back then it was it was if the opportunity came to, to try and get to Europe and I was thankful for for what happened here to to let me go. How did you find that whole experience in Europe? I know some guys go over there and they love it. Some guys go over and it's not always the case that the grass is greener on the other side. But you seem to have a good career over there so far. Yeah, no, I, I did love it. It's something that I, I wouldn't have traded uh, for the world. Now looking back at it, um, very very tough. Obviously, going over to to Europe with uh, you know 16, 17 years old, not knowing the language, um, kind of being tossed in, uh, you know, right into the deep end, uh, having to fend for yourself quite a bit in, in, a, in a language, or sorry, in a country that that you know no one or you, you don't speak the language. Um, but I think that, that uh, you know, that made me grow up really quick. Um, it made me, you know, grow as a person and obviously as, as a player as well. So, um, like I said, it's something that I, uh, I'm very glad that I did and, and something that I, that I wouldn't trade for, you know, all the, all the kind of life experiences I gained when going over there um, is really something you can't compare, um, you know, if you compare that to living living closer to home with the with the comforts of your family or kind of your supporting web when you're over there by yourself uh, a lot of the times you know there are some times where you where you go through some some rough times you know if things aren't going well on the pitch or if you're you know away from home but looking back on it now um, is something I'm very grateful that uh, that I did and I know you had a couple of trials before you went to Edmonton uh, Inverness Cali in Scotland being yeah. in one of them what made you decide then to come back to Canada at this stage of your career? Um, well, back then it was uh, the the, uh, the thing in Scotland was uh, I couldn't I don't have a, a European passport, which yeah. is which is an issue that's come up uh, a number of times. It's a, it's obviously a hurdle for some of us Canadian. Well, the majority of us Canadians that don't have European backgrounds. It's something that um, you know uh, they they needed 
you know the window was closing and they needed um, a couple of weeks or, or a month to, to get the, the the process done and, and they didn't have the time um, uh, to get that sorted so you know that was an issue of, of, of getting um, of getting work work visas sorted in enough time um, and there was the option to do a, to do a short-term contract uh, leading up to the gold cup in Edmonton and it's something that um, I thought about and obviously going into a, a, a tournament like the gold cup you want you want to be playing uh, as much as possible leading up to it so that was a, an opportunity that I saw to to play and I'm very thankful for for the organization in Edmonton uh, the people that that I worked with uh, you know for for allowing me to come in and, and kind of keep me t- ticking over until uh, the summertime and the Gold Cup, it was a fantastic campaign for Canada. You've obviously been involved with the squad for, for years now. Have you noticed a big difference in Zambrano as to what it had been like? The team definitely seems a lot more attack-minded. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing uh, Octavio has, has instilled, I mean, it's very tough for, for a manager to, to, to come in. You know, he hasn't been around uh, too, too long as well. Um, but I think the biggest thing that he's, he's instilled with us is, is an atta- you know, a different mindset, uh, you know, a mindset that, that we uh, as a team have the ability um, to attack games, uh, to dictate, um, to dictate the, the tempo of the game, to, to be the protagonist in the game. And I think, you know, I, I mentioned this, um, I think you see in a game, in our last game against Jamaica, I can't remember uh, a team at a level of, of Jamaica playing against us, playing against Canada and sitting back so much. Um, and I think that that's credit to, to Octavio and the team for really taking, taking in, in, into heart what he, what he wants to teach us. And I, I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember a team sitting back and, and defending and, and going into a game, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, that Canada is going to process the ball and, and dictate the game. So I think that's, that's a credit to, to where we're going. Um, obviously at the same time, we were disappointed to go out. I think that was a, that was a game that, uh, you know, obviously could have been won and there has to be a level of disappointment as to to why we didn't progress but I think uh, as you said it, it was a positive camp I think uh, I think the base of of Canadian people that that follow the national team uh, see it as well as a as a positive step and and as of right now that's that's kind of what it is it's a step in the right direction and hopefully going forward we now have a couple of years to to really build for the big push uh, for the next qualifying campaign but for you yourself now moving forward, obviously you're having a train stint here, but mm-hmm. looking at yourself long-term future, do you see your future over in North America or do you want to give Europe another shot? Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, uh, I would have nothing against uh, coming, back, coming back to North America, being, having a little taste of it uh, now in Edmonton and, and seeing, you know, what it's like. We spoke before about how, how things have changed. You know, here I haven't been to, to all of the MLS clubs or all of the North American clubs, but just seeing how much it's progressed here um, in Vancouver, um, how professional it is, and uh, you know, being a part of or or, or seeing, you know, thinking what's going to happen in the future. It's definitely something, you know, an area that uh, that, I, that I could hopefully see myself in uh, playing in North America. Obviously, if, if if the opportunity doesn't come, or you know, there is there is a better opportunity somewhere else uh, in a different part of the world, then then I'm open to it. I'm at a stage, um, you know, still in my career where where I'm I'm, I'm still you know wanting to. Uh, to achieve a lot so wherever the best opportunity for me uh, in my career that's that's what I'm going to take that's great thanks so much for your time today right. Adam and good luck with it thank that's you great. very much
So Adam Straith there. And Adam is just having a training stint officially with the Whitecaps. Now, my theory on all of this, going back to the Dean thing, and again, this is just pure speculation on my part, no one said anything. I think they are planning on offering a deal to Straith. And we talked about maybe Christian Dean is some club's plan B. I think we might be Straith's plan B. If he can get something, a deal in Europe, then I think he would prefer to go with that. If not, he's quite happy to sign here. But I also think we have to maybe move Dean to free up some salary spot. Because Dean is obviously a centre-back. We've got a couple of roster spots now. Because of the loans. Because Greg Greg and and, Adekube. Although... Adekui wasn't one of the guys that was taking up a spot, but McKendry was, so yeah, McKendry right. went as well. But I'd like to see Straith here. I think it would be a good depth addition. I don't know how good it is, though, for him to come and maybe not play like a De Jong kind of situation where you're playing for your country, but you're not playing for your club team. But Straith wasn't on the Gold Cup team, so... He was in the squad. He just didn't, right, play. just didn't play. That's right. So... Which, again, I mean, is not going to help him play if he then is not starting for his club. It is a step up from FC Edmonton. You could say that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's good exposure for him. He's been out of Europe for a year or so. So it's nice to see him getting back in uh, a top-tier team. Arguably MLS. But, I mean, it's a good guy. and sounds like a good interview. So he's a good player as well. I like him. Yeah. So. And an, an interesting thing about that as well is... He said something which also Stefan Marinovic had an issue with as well, which was they couldn't get a UK work visa. And it's the same in other European countries as well, that if you don't have any European heritage, you're struggling now to get work visas. So we could see a lot of these Canadian guys that are over there just now heading back to these shores. Whether MLS or Canadian PL. Yeah. And I think Canadian PL, I didn't ask straight about that in this interview, because to me, he's he's a level above that right now. He's been playing in Europe. He still wants to play in Europe. So I think he is a guy that Canadian PL might be in his future when he's in his 30s, but he's only 26 just now. So he, yeah. he has got something ahead. Maybe Rob- he could go to Turkey because all the Canadian players yes. seem to be heading over there soon. Robo has said he still hopes to add one or two players before the transfer window closes, which is coming up fast. Three days, I think. Yeah. So, so Straith, I expect to be added this week. That's just my my thoughts on that. Possibly a short-term deal. And, of course, it would be following in the footsteps. We seem to like to sign Canadian players in the summer. Yeah, last year, Edgar Diong. Don't know if you've ever done it before last summer, but... I, I, I have a little... Th- like I think, obviously, the Canadian players know the, Canada and Vancouver well. I don't think it's a much of a culture shock to them when you get somebody from Europe coming mid-season. Or somebody from South America, I think it takes more time to get used to it. So, what's the point of bringing them in if the, if they're not going to be ready to go? Like, for example, a Barry Robson back in the day, yeah. it was definitely a culture shock to him. Considering he didn't know he was playing on grass, <laughs> he thought turf was grass. So, there's a lot of things about MLS that would have a culture shock. So, to him. yeah. So, exactly. So, when um, like, like if you're going to bring in somebody, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be a depth player in case Boston has to go on. World Cup duty or wherever he needs to go, why not bring in a Canadian? And obviously, if David Edgar was healthy, this wouldn't even be an issue at this point. Very true. So if Streith would play center back, then that would push up Jacobson, which means maybe we wouldn't need Tybert or like they're. We don't need Tybert. 
I think Tiber stays. I don't think he goes anywhere until if he goes anywhere, he goes in the off season. He's not gonna. Robo did have a very long talk with Tiber at the end of, of training, but he does that with a number of players. He had had a big one with Montero before he went and scored a couple of games ago. I didn't. I, I meant as in. We yeah. have a lot of depth in midfield, well, so yeah. that well, would I mean, mean... is more DM, but yeah. has been also yeah. playing centre-back for Canada. So, I mean, he's yeah. very He's a good centre-back as well. And he, can, like, play, he can actually play right-back yeah. as well. He's another Andrew Jacobson. Yeah. yeah. And who knows, that would then maybe open up the door to, to trade Jacobson, which I think would be good trade bait. Not this window, and I don't want to see him go because I think he's been no. the most valuable player in terms of his versatility as anything else this year. Yeah, but like you said, Straith, he's signing, if he signs a short-term contract and he's still looking at Europe, he's, you don't really want to trade Jacobson or no, put him on the exactly. block. I'd wait to see if we're, if we're going to keep Straith here. Wait till, yeah, the, wait till the window, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to make any moves now. So we'll, we'll see if there is any more additions and, or if Straith is one of them. He is a free agent, so he doesn't technically have to get signed in this window. They can add a free agent after that until it's like the roster freeze time in September. So they don't have to sign him in this window, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, I don't know about you, but all this transfer talks made me a little bit hungry. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So, John, you're at home at night, and you've got uh, your beverage of choice, non-alcoholic. <laughs> Do you go for a tea or a coffee? I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I love how you're painting the picture here. <laughs> I, yeah, I drink water, to be honest. Uh, my, I don't, coffee keeps me up. I went on a, a tea kick maybe a couple of years ago where I, I did the tea thing for about a year, and I fell off, but... Um, yeah, I honestly, we drink so much water in our house that we always have like a, uh, I, we probably finish a gallon a day. Yeah. Going back to then when you had your tea kick, would you ever have biscuits with it? I know healthy football and stuff, but would you ever have biscuits with it? No, it would just be, uh, you know, some sort of relaxing tea that, uh, like aroma that my wife would pick up hoping to like it's like what does it say like tranquility on, oh, on the tea packs or something you know she gets all that stuff so i tried it um and we have the keurig so we always got the tea pods but it's just not my thing man and i don't and when i did have tea i didn't really have anything with it it was just um you know just trying it out i guess So, we've talked about the Whitecaps MLS stuff this week. There was a Whitecaps two game on Wednesday and one on Saturday night as well. The twos are having a, a little bit of a tricky time though this season. Now unbeaten and not unbeaten, now winless. winless <laughs> the opposite of unbeaten. Now winless in 10 games. Yeah. They're not getting hammered. It's close games. They just can't get that last goal. Or, well, yeah, in, just, the, in the Wednesday game, they just couldn't breaks. stop any yeah. goals. I don't know, it looked like they had it done on Wednesday. Gideon and myself were obviously had, had the call on, on the stream, and they, they played they played really well, yeah. and they just, they're just they just lacking the thing that's getting them over the line. It, it's either getting that, that, that last thing to get that goal to put them ahead, or that, that ability to close out games. It's one or the other, whether they're up or behind. Yeah, I think we, briefly during the game when we talked about who's going to step up in the absence of Kyle Gregg and 
you know, Meyer Bevan did, and um, he did all he could, and it was a, a fantastic game. It's just there was a couple times where the, the final ball wasn't there, just the defending. They gave up two penalties in that game, so that was obviously something they need to talk about. And unfortunately, one nothing lost to Sacramento yesterday, but the effort was there. There was no nothing wrong with the effort. It's just playing the the full ninety and after, especially in added yeah. time as well. It's just got to have that focus for young guys. Is it's definitely a tough thing to have. They were definitely under the cosh a bit against Sacramento. Spencer Ritchie, if you haven't seen this, check out the Caps' Twitter. Fantastic goal line save. He's had a few of them this year as well. And there were some murmurs this week that some of the standalone, some of the independent USL teams aren't too happy at what the MLS2 teams are bringing to the USL. And they're looking for them to drop down to the new USL Division 3 league when it starts. Yeah, And... I I can't blame them for that, really. When when you see the likes of FC Cincinnati and the crowds that they're bringing in, Sacramento as well, they're bringing in five-figure crowds. And you've got... I mean, Whitecaps 2's attendances have picked up in the summer. They've had some good attendances with the summer camps at the last couple of games at Thunderbird. But it's two very different kinds of teams. You've got one team going for development, which is the MLS 2 teams, and then standalone teams, which are proper teams and the difference between them is huge and if you look at the Western Conference I think it's only one team that's a, an MLS T2 team that's in the playoff places and all the rest are out with it and USL don't want to be considered as a development league I don't mind if the Caps were to drop down to Division 3 no I don't need to, to be honest I, I don't either I think it would work it work well like even teams like LA two now are playing more developmental players. Yeah, they they just signed a fifteen year old that beat out Davies' record from yeah. last year. So um, I don't have an issue with it at all. And and if if a MLS two team that is good enough, and if they're going to do promotion, I don't know. Are they going to do promotion relegation as part of this USL? No, thing? no. Oh. It, it's all about though promotion in another sense. Yeah, because they feel that a lot of the MLS teams aren't putting enough promotion into their, their USL sites to yeah. get crowds there. And also there's there's set criteria that these teams are meant to play in 5,000 capacity stadiums, which obviously the likes of the Whitecaps aren't. So, I mean, there's all this pressure. These other teams have to meet this criteria. Why should the MLS two teams not? There's a lot of kind of push for clubs to be independently owned as well. And you saw that Montreal got rid of their Montreal 2, teamed up with Ottawa Fury, so that's basically their their affiliate side now. And one of the affiliate sides for Houston, or the affiliate side for Houston, is Rio Grande Toros. And that was the team that were up here on Wednesday, played out the 3-3 draw with the Whitecaps. And the man between the sticks that, that game was a very familiar face. Really strange to see him lining up against the Whitecaps. Marco Carducci. Joined the Caps residency as a 14-year-old. We've watched him for years with the White Caps. So strange to see him in another team's jersey. Got a chance to speak to him after the game. The quality, I'll tell you now, is not fantastic. It was so windy on the pitch. It was like the coldest heat wave ever at UBC on Wednesday. We were freezing doing the commentary. And then you went on the pitch and it was a bit warm, but it was so windy. But got a chance to speak to Marco about the move to Rio Grande and a few more things as well. Let's hear from him now. So, 
so, Marco, was it kind of mixed emotions coming back and playing against the Whitecaps? Yeah, it was weird. It was definitely funny playing against these guys and, and playing against the, the club that I've been with for, for such a long time, right? So, uh, you know, walking in at first and going into the away locker room as opposed to the first was, was different, but, but it was great. I mean, I was really looking forward to this for a while and definitely a different feeling, but a lot of fun to be able to play here. So just going back a little bit, how did the move to Rio Grande go about? I had a chat with Marius Roft a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned that he'd taken you to Minnesota but then it wasn't maybe going to get you enough minutes there so he kind of helped get this involved. So how did it all come about? Exactly. So uh, I spent preseason with Minnesota, which was great. Marius was obviously a big hand in that and bringing me in. And it went well. I enjoyed it. But it would have probably been a similar situation that I was already in where maybe just be the number three and not get many minutes, which which was part of the reason why I left, of course, right? So uh, Marius helped, again, um, set that up. He got me in touch with um, a few people, um, working with his, a guy who's his good buddy, who's his agent, um, who helped move it along. And uh, Paul Rogers out in Houston, the goalkeeper coach, and Marius, I think, have a good good uh, relationship. And I guess my name got thrown around. It, it opened up this door, and, and it was a good fit. And uh, before I knew it, I was still signing here. And it's, it's strange in the USL because it's the same here. You've got to share the goalkeeping minutes. There's three a year that's like splitting the minutes. Yeah. But you've played five in a row now, yeah. which is kind of weird because the way it's been going. It's the plan. Have, like, have you made this your, your starting position or is it all up in the air? Uh, as far as I know, I'm just focusing on, on doing as well as I can each game. I get the nod. Uh, yeah, like you said, before there was rotation. I wasn't getting minutes earlier on. It's part of being a goalkeeper no matter where you are, really, right? So... Uh, of course, you know, results-wise, we're in a bit of a slump, and uh, it's good to get a point here on the road. Uh, we're looking to get the monkey off our back kind of thing, get a win again, and, and, and start moving forward. Um, but I'm you know, grateful to, to have the opportunity to play, and now that it's been a, a few in a row, I'm just focusing on, on getting better each game and, and doing my part to help the team win. How did it feel to have Boosty scoring? Uh, that, was, that was my one goal today, to make sure he didn't score. <laughs> But you know what? I'm going to give him a hard time because he's been scoring penalties and penalties. That, that, that was more or less a penalty, wasn't it? I saved, I saved the first one, and of course he's the guy I look up and see, and I was like, here we go. But uh, yeah, no, we've always had our little competition, so it's all right. <laughs> Leaving the Whitecaps, I know it must have been hard. You've been here since you were 15. It's like I've watched you for so many years, and it's weird seeing you lining up against the team. But when you look back at your time here, What's your sort of overriding memories of it? Nothing but good memories, really. Uh, like you said, I was 14 turn, turning 15 when I came. So my childhood in terms of professional career, right, my, my young residency and all that was all here. And all the relationships I built with the staff, with the fans, with everyone around the club and making my way through the club, it's special and it'll always be special to me. Um, so coming back in a, in a different position on another team was, was interesting for sure. And it's part of football, right? Like, you know, players move on and coaches move on and, and that sort of thing. Um, but the club has a special place in my heart. The city has a special place in my heart. The fans, the people here have a special place in my heart as well. And it's just nice to be back. When you're a goalkeeper, there's only one guy who can obviously play. When you're here, David Oosted was always going to be the guy that, that got the minutes. Have you thought, like, long-term, whether your future lies in North America? Obviously, there's Canadian Premier League coming, or would you like to give Europe a shot? I know it's something you thought about in the past before you even signed for the Caps. For sure, no. Um, it's obviously hard to look into the future, too, because things always are just changing in a fly. 
Um, so for me, it's, it's just the one step at a time thing. I'll see how things play out the rest of the season. I think every player will tell you Europe is always a place that you'd like to go play because, you know, at the end of the day, it is the pinnacle uh, at the top top level there, of course. Um, but the CPL news is exciting. could be a good fit for a lot of guys, myself included. Um, and North America, it's, again, with the USL and everything like that. Obviously, MLS is, is the goal, but the USL is there for young players like myself. And, um, you know, where I'll be in the next few years, I'll, my goal is, again, I've, I've said it a million times, but it's just to get as high as I can, highest level. Being a goalkeeper, it might not happen until you're 25, 26, and for me, that's five, six years away. So I have to stay patient about it as well and just go one day at a time. And what's it like playing in Texas in, in that heat? It's a lot hotter than Canada, that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, you got to get used to that heat. Um, but otherwise, no, it's been, it's been good. A, a different environment, a different challenge. Uh, the team is great. The facilities are great. And I've been enjoying, you know, getting something different uh, in terms of that. And it's pushed me out of my comfort zone as well. Because, like I said, I've been, you know, five years in Vancouver, almost six years, um, where everything's familiar. Everybody's familiar. You know, you're, everyone knows you and this and that. So going somewhere new, dealing with a different climate, all that stuff, uh, it was a change, but, but it's been good. Good luck with everything. Weird to see you back, but congratulations and good luck for the, the rest of the season. Keeper, you just made a decent save. So why do you feel the need to rant and rave? Screaming at defenders makes you look dead stupid, especially when they haven't done much wrong. Please cease the trait. Marco Carducci there. It really was a, a weird feeling seeing him lining up against the Whitecaps. And as you heard there, the one thing he really did not want to happen was Marco Busto scoring on him. And Busti scored. No, yeah, I agree. I, 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 the interview, like, I remember the first game he played for the the residency against Seattle. And when he saved that penalty. And yeah. I think that's up on your it's YouTube. It's up on our YouTube channel. You can and, check that out. Yeah, and it's it's remarkable to see. And the thing is, he's only 20. And yeah. it's so much more time to go. And, um, it, and it, like Canadian PL seems an ideal fit for a, a young lad like that. You're going to get regular minutes, which is what he needs. And he's yeah. not getting it at Rio Grande. Didn't play today in, yeah. their, in their big win. And he can and he can play close to home too. And, and he, uh, he'll probably be joining the, whatever team plays in Calgary. Oh, there you go. So that is, uh, as you heard before, that's a, 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 a shock me there a little. Um, a flash top five, or uh, we're Just doing it all summer. Don't know when these are going to happen. Um, Canada, <laughs> we're, uh, Canada 150. We're doing uh, all the young players um, that are are moving up the ranks. So this is uh, in honor of Marco Cuduci. We're doing a, a, a top five goalkeepers of the future. It's U25. Because, like I said, keepers are uh, kind of develop at a later stage. And I even think U25 is kind of thing. I think you even go older than that. But so what we have is we have the top five. Number five, Dane Sinclair. He is an Ontario goalkeeper, 6'4". He's currently a sophomore in Maryland. He was the backup at the U20 championships. Um, and uh, he, he, he was an Ontario kid, but he's not from TFC. He's a, a Vaughn Academy, I think it was. Number four, the guy we just talked to, Marco Carducci. Um, 6'1". 20 years old, like I said, he's playing for Rio Grande. Um, he's he, like it's, it's for him. I think he just signed too early with the Whitecaps, and I think he needed to go maybe either go to college or, like he's doing now, play for a different team and then come back. Because um, 
in his case, it was mostly Spencer Ritchie, I think, that, that got him uh, because the signing of, or drafting of Spencer Ritchie really put him um, – because Spencer Ritchie was a more developed goalkeeper coming out of college. So I think that kind of uh, stunted his growth. Number three, residency keeper currently Thomas Hassel. Um, he was the starter for the U seventeen, uh, U twenty team, sorry, in Concacaf uh, twenty seventeen championships. Started all three games, even the five nil lost to Mexico. But the other two games, he only that one goal against Honduras, he shut out. Um, I think it was the other team, Antigua, something like that. I can't remember the team. Um, but he he's got rave reviews from a lot of people. Even people in America have heard of this guy, and um, they're expecting big things out of him. I think he was rated as a top prospect um, out of all the uh, residency players in, uh, for the Whitecaps. Number two, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this name properly, probably, Matthew Nugaria. Um, he is a former TFC, Impact, uh, TFC Academy player, but he is now playing in Portugal with a team called Gil Vicente FC. They play in the Segunda. He, he plays for the U19 team there. Um, not much heard of them. But they have said that he is a solid prospect going forward. Again, he's only 19 years old, so a long time to go. Because uh, guys like Milan Borian are not going anytime soon anywhere. Number one, though, is the backup to Borian at the uh, last Gold Cup, Maxim Crepo. I know he had a bit of an off game for that initial thing, but I think he is a decent player. He's currently obviously playing for the Impact. He's getting more starts in MLS. He was before playing mostly Canadian championships. He's only got two senior caps. Um, his only start was against the United States, and it was a 1-0 loss. So it was a decent performance. But, again, once again, th- that top five uh, this week, the top five under U- under 25 goalkeepers, not U35. <laughs> no, I mean, it's certainly a good list. And the White Caps have produced so many good goalkeepers over the years just in the residency alone. And it's one of those positions that's just unfortunate that you're only going to get one guy playing it in a yeah. game. And usually at club level, if a guy is doing so well, like you said here, it's hard for these young guys to get minutes. And yeah, and eventually guys like, because uh, it's still young, like you said, Marco Carducci, uh, Marco Carducci um, Callum Irving, he's playing for Ottawa right now. He could be up there. Yep. Um, Sean Melvin's currently the starter, well, half sharing the starter with Spencer Ritchie for the USL team. So those guys can, can come out of nowhere and start playing well and, and, and bypass some, one of these guys. Is very possible. You don't know what goalkeepers. Whenever we do, well, they develop late. Whenever we do residency top five, I hate ranking goalkeepers because because yeah. oh, it's so hard to judge where they're going to be, and I always have to go to the goalkeeping goalkeeping experts. Even if I'm watching them, it's so hard to judge where where they will be in a five years or ten. Yeah, it's it's good top five for me. I think nothing interchangeable there. So some folk might think it's. A little strange that Hassel we're ranking at above Carducci, obviously because he's younger. But Carducci has plateaued, and if anything, has kind of taken a little bit of a step back. Yeah, that's the only concern. Yeah. That's, the, well, that's yeah. why Carducci was a step up. I think he can turn it around just as easily. And, totally. And, and he can be that goalkeeper in three, four years that everybody was expecting at 18. Just has to do with his playing time. So. Yeah, I mean, he the game against the Caps midweek was his fifth start in a row. But prior to that, he had hardly had any sort of regular minutes it's a problem with the usl teams and you see it here they're splitting the goalkeeper duties there's three of them at houston and then you also have the backups and the mls team that can come down and play as well so 
Good luck to all those guys. It's another very strong position for Canada going forward. So we're just going to wrap up this segment of the show with another one of my fun segments. So Stuart, if you're out and you're having fish and chips, yes. do you have salt, salt and vinegar, or salt and sauce? All three. Brown sauce. Of course, it has to be brown sauce. Yeah. That's great. Salt, vinegar, brown sauce. I was trying to explain what brown Mix sauce oh, was to H- someone. <laughs> and you know, not even like HP, I like the chippy chip shop. Oh, of course, like yeah. That's what I can't explain to folk. Yeah, but like that's that. great. Thanks so much. Stuart Kerr there talked about chippy brown sauce, which I'm guessing neither of you two know what we're talking about. No, I've tried it before. It's like the HP sauce or whatever you call yep. it. Yeah, but HP sauce. It's not strictly HP sauce. Similar, HP sauce similar. Is, yes. It's similar. The, it's a secret that goes in it, which is kind of malt vinegar, and it just makes it a lot more tangy. It's what you want to know at this time of night, and we'll be back with more of this chat after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. Where do you find all these gems? I don't know. This is... This time in Scotland. Yeah, this is Idlewild, one of my favourite Scottish bands of all time. Lost count how many times I've seen them, way, way into a couple of dozens. Last night I missed all the fireworks, which I did, and I was hoping for a few more fireworks on the pitch, but sadly there wasn't. The fireworks were fantastic last night. They were really good. Anyway, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, and... The AFT and Soccer Show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all your links of local, national and international stories, really. And we, we've been doing a, a segment of headlines. And Steve, I think you had a few lined up for this week. Yeah, um, quite a few. Uh, it was difficult to narrow some of them down. There was some big news in the world of uh, football. Um, one of the, uh, some of the ones that were uh, kind of missed um, the uh, what we were going to talk about uh, in quick headlines. Uh, for example, former LA Galaxy and Tottenham Hotspur uh, legend uh, Robbie Keane has signed in for the India Super League. Um, obviously, the Neymar stuff is huge. <laughs> uh, that was the, that was a major headlines, and it was kind of funny because. One day they they said that you know Barcelona confirmed that he wanted to leave, and then the next day there was an article where La Liga refused the check of you know they actually went to the office of La Liga to give the check and they refused it. Oh, Apparently that's what they said in the article. Obscene amount of money anyway. It's absolutely ridiculous. Spending amount. Yeah. yeah, and then they wanted to try to um, 
uh, uh, they want to try to um, say that it's financial fair play, but you can't prove that for a couple of years, so it's pointless. Um, obviously, the article about uh, one you didn't want to talk about for sure was England breaking their 43-year winless streak against France in women's soccer. Yeah, um, move uh, Russians, uh, new league that they're kind of uh, repackaging. Um, foreign players, foreign soccer stars buying lower league teams in the U.S. Didier Jogba, cough, cough. Yeah. I don't know if you saw his goal this weekend. Uh, yeah. Free kick was very... I still don't think we're going to see him at Thunderbird no. somehow on September no. 24th. If you do get the chance, scored a 40-yard free kick for Phoenix. So Wow. Yeah, oh. it was pretty incredible. Another one with Freddie Adu uh, signing, uh, trialing with a Polish team where the manager was saying it was a joke. Nobody told him about it. And How old is he now? He must be in his 50s. Oh, he looks like he's in the 50s. I think he's 25. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, but Angel's he seems wondering. like he's been for there for so long that, it, it, that he's been there. Um, then you have uh, Dundee United using Twitter to try to sell their keeper, uh, Cammy Bell. They actually tweeted it out that he's available. Um, I tried that with Russell Tiber and no one, no one bought him. We were going. We might have talked about uh, Zach's piece, missing pieces, continuing to play s- supporter culture, but he's not here, so we're not going to talk about it. Ah, very um, good article, though. If you get a chance to read it, you Na- it got massive, massive views on the site. Yeah, and then oh, kind of a follow BBC Sport. They did their kind of you said annual survey where they they asked fans, and the, the two thirds of fans asked say clubs do not care about them. And you, you said that people yeah. usually go negative when they do that. So The folk that fill in those kind of surveys are usually people that's got a gripe. People that are happy don't fill in surveys. It's like, I don't leave reviews on hotels and stuff or restaurants. If you like it. Yeah. yeah. I only think of leaving it if I've had a really bad time. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so the, th- the top three articles that we're going to discuss a little bit here. Uh, first one um, from uh, Steve Sandor's site, uh, the11.ca. Large number of players, agents already making inquiries about PDL. Um, second article. Canadian PL. Oh, Canadian PL, sorry. Um, then uh, Soccer America had a site, uh, I mean, an article about promotion and relegation um, going to arbitration, the court of arbitration. Um, and uh, what they kind of broke it down to say what it's going to take to get this uh, promotion, relegation, what, what kind of hurdles they have. And the third one is from SBI, Detroit MLS expansion group closing in on stadium site. So another expansion team possibly coming to MLS. Yeah, I mean, looking at the first one of that, the Canadian PL, not been a lot of news come out this week about the Canadian PL. The last thing which we talked about a little bit last week was the possibility of teams in Saskatchewan, which is good. But yeah, Stephen Sandor's article basically said that a number of players not Canadians, but international players yeah. have been looking and inquiring about what it would take to come and play in the Canadian PL, how many international slots they're going to have. And the players kind of break down into guys that have been here before or guys that want to come here or they've got family here or they've got a girlfriend here, stuff like that. Mm. So I, I don't think there is going to be a shortage of quality players. And we do know that initially there's going to be a higher number of internationals than we might see in the league a, a few years down the line. So I think it's good if we can attract a good quality talent, no matter where they come from, in the initial years of this league. Because as we keep saying, it's all about making the right first impression. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see the setup of the league and, and how things go. There's a, an immaculate amount of interest in Saskatchewan when they don't even have a team yet. They had a, a meeting as well, so... It's just cool to see the the hype of all this. People may, maybe don't watch Whitecaps soccer, MLS soccer, for that matter. They 
they come in and, and they want to know what it's all about. And it's really cool to see the exposure of this legal, mysterious legal, what's what's going on with that. So people definitely get intrigued by uh, different storylines that are going on. Yeah, and then, okay, so the next article, the pro-relegation, um, it's mm-hmm. the same Miami FC guy that I think is the yeah, same guy Silva. that yeah, that tried to offer him $4 billion that we talked about last week. And now he's trying to take him to court. He's saying that in FIFA's re- reg- regulations that it says that there should be promotion relegation. No, but it sh- it should, yeah, but a when, team should when, be you, in, when you read it, yeah, like they're hanging their hat on this one subsection. And it, you can read it both ways, and I have a feeling that this is just going to get thrown straight out of court. But Silva's also this week been linked with putting his money in with David Beckham. And that going with the MLS Miami bid as well, which I still don't think Miami should get or deserves no. to get an MLS Orlando team. already has a team. Yeah. One in Florida is good enough. That's a lot of travel as well. But I mean, but I, they, they might want a rivalry between yeah. Orlando and somebody. I, mean, I, I want, yeah. as we talked about last week, I want nothing more than ProRail. And this was the chance to really shape a great future for North American soccer to have a, a proper pyramid with promotion and relegation. It's not going to happen. No. Going to the courts is not going to get this to happen either. I tip my hat to Stockade FC, who are a fantastic little NPSL team as well, doing everything right. But I just I think this will get thrown out and they'll be told to go down some other avenues. But remember, that in North America, no other league in North America in any other sport has promotion relegation. Yeah. So that's not going to work because they said they might go to the U.S. federal court. That's not going to really work. Well, there had also been talk in England that a number of the top premiership teams were talking about having a closed premier league yeah. similar to the MLS system. Yeah. Which would be dreadful and like a killer for the for the game there. The thing is, is you can't... Uh, uh, we talked about it last week too, but if you're going to do promotion relegation, you have to scrap the salary cap because you can't have to let the the you know the kind of the ten pole cities like New York, LA. You have to let them spend. Yeah, well, so look they at, don't look get at the promo- galaxy. They don't get relegated. Technically, if the galaxy continue a bad run, they could finish bottom of the West, and yeah. then that would possibly have seen them relegated. And that that would be pay. that would be horrendous for yeah. the league because you don't want honestly, no matter what Garber says, you don't want. A, let's see, I'm going to use Columbus. You don't want a Columbus in your league and LA in your in your second division. And teams have bad seasons. Look at Chelsea, the, yeah. the season that Mourinho got sacked, where they were down the bottom for a big, big spell. Yeah. And you never thought they were going to get relegated, no. but I mean, it, it happens. Yeah. But, I mean, talking about MLS expansion, expansion yeah. that brings us to the, the the third and final story, which is about Detroit. This is a surprising one. I didn't expect Detroit. I know they have a good soccer culture with the lower yeah. level team, but it, I didn't the expect... The PSL team, Detroit City FC, yeah. are fantastic. It's like they're everything a football team should be. A bit like TSS Rovers, really, in a way. It's like they do everything properly. The majority of their fans don't like MLS. Yeah, They don't want to be in the MLS. They don't want Detroit City to be the team that's attached to the the bid for a Detroit thing. Now, there's 10 cities being shortlisted for four expansion spots. Which would put the and league... And Detroit's one of them. We'll put the league to what? 24. Would, That's the uh, lar- largest league in, in, in the whole wide world yeah. for soccer. So. And you have to think, the next two look certain to be Miami, which I can't believe because I don't think they, they deserve it. But Garber had made comments this week that He's going to Miami either this coming week or the week after, hoping to announce some good news. So you have to think they're one of the next two. Sacramento 
is expected to be one of the next two as well. Cincinnati? Well, that's the thing. Then you've got eight clubs fighting for two spots, and Cincinnati's right up there. And you have to think they want San Diego oh, I would, to possibly I would be love in it San now Diego. as well. I Nashville, want San Diego to be is Nashville the other one? Nashville's yeah. one, and then you've also got in Carolina, they're looking at stuff as well. St. Louis is looking at stuff. I mean, there's so many teams pushing for it. And you have to think, although they're saying this is going to be the end, it's not going to be any more... If teams yeah. are willing to pay two hundred million or whatever it's going to be hey, by that, bring point. them on in. Yeah. Remember, uh, the, like I said, the other leagues they have about thirty. Some of them have thirty-two. Some have thirty. Some have yeah. I think thirty is the minimum yeah. teams right now. Well, I mean, USL's got thirty, and yeah. then they're adding some more teams next year as well. <laughs> oh, Fresno. <laughs> so I mean, I think they're going to be up to thirty-three or thirty-four, and they just announced they're they're having a, an expanded season. But they do east and west, so they they can get away with that. I was just going to mention quickly about Detroit. It'd be cool to see them form a, a rivalry with TFC, uh, but TFC yeah. would not be the happiest of campers because if some of their fans come from the U.S., say some of them might, then they might lose them to Detroit. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely a marketing guys thing. Guys from Windsor that, that head to, to I don't Rome. think so. I think that's quite a bit of distance. Not a whole lot, but... Um, uh, yeah, but... Uh, um, uh, but I mean, the, the, the key the, thing the, is the, all these bids have to have a stadium. Yeah. So this story about Detroit being approved for their stadium... Yeah. yeah puts them way ahead of all these other possibilities. The other thing is Detroit is not a well-off city. Um, they always had financial troubles. And, like, for example, in the article, they mentioned that on this site is there's a jail that they built that's been sitting there for five years. It's not even finished. Yeah. It's an unfinished jail. Yeah, so they're going to turn that into an entertainment center afterwards. Yeah. So it would be weird. B- bizarre. Hopefully the bars aren't still up. Although there might be different kinds of bars that's there. But, I mean, Detroit City, they... They just set a record on Saturday for oh, it was over 7,500 fans came to their NPSL semi-final. That's a big Sold thing. out within hours. They've been getting over 30,000 watching their streams. Hmm. And folk around the world are really buying into what they do, but their fans don't want anything really to do with MLS. But there has been, I've read some articles, there has been little carrots dangled by the guys behind the Detroit MLS bid that they might try and tempt Detroit City and say, we'll still do all your community stuff, we'll still do all your charity stuff, the fans will still have a say. And although the owners might be in good intentions to do that, once they get an MLS, MLS clamp down on those things, so it might not be as good at all. It'd be interesting to see how that works out. But if you haven't checked out Detroit City, check out their website, look at some of their stuff on YouTube. The TIFO, the smoke, the fans, the atmosphere... Definitely a place I want to see a game. And you'd have a great rivalry right away with FC Cincinnati if they got in. Not too, too close, but I mean, we were based in Detroit for the World Cup. And then we went to the Ohio for a couple of days as well. Although Cincinnati's the other end of Ohio. But still would be a good rivalry. Columbus and Cincinnati, more of a rivalry. Detroit, Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah, Columbus actually would be the the big one. Obviously Cincinnati get more fans. So we'll see what happens with that. Now it's time for our wavelength section of the show. I'm wearing my 1994 World Cup t-shirt. One size fits all, it said, as I tried it on tonight and thought I was wearing a tent. (laughs) It's American, so obviously that's one size fits all Americans. But the 1994 World Cup, this song was meant to be the official England anthem for it, or it was going to be up there for the official England anthem, but England didn't qualify. This was a, a song recorded in 1993 by the band James. A lot of you might know them. 
their worldwide hit Sit Down. In the sessions that they, they did for their album Laid, they did a song called Low, 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 produced by Brian Eno the whole sessions. And then they were just messing around afterwards and they did a football-themed song based on the tune for Low, Low, Low called Go, Go, Go. And that's what we're going to play for you now. James there and go, go, go. If you want to find that, it's on a B-side to their 1999 single, Just Like Fred Astaire. And you can also find it on the 1994 official FIFA World Cup album, Gloryland. Oh, they still included it? Yeah. (laughs) It's a very good song and James are a great band. If you want to find out more by them, I recommend starting off with their debut album, Stutter, one of my all-time favourite albums. 
But that is pretty much it for this episode of the show. Just want to read a tweet we got in, Steve, just based on your Flash 5 from Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World. He, he disagrees, says, I'm assuming. No, he says he thinks there's going to be a shortage of Canadian talent for the Canadian PL, but goalie might be the exception. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the goalies definitely should be mostly Canadian. I don't. I, I see. Even beyond this one, there's more and more developing all the time. There's going to be some kind of rule in regards to Canadians for that. So that is it for this episode of the show. I'm sorry we did not open any stickers this week. I had planned to. But I didn't make it along to PharmaSafe. The meltdown last week was very popular, surprisingly. I didn't think opening stickers on the radio would have gone down so well, but it did. So we'll maybe bring it back next week. And to tie in with that, I do have a wavelength song I can play all about Panini stickers. So I might double dip with that. But just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Gideon? Uh, At Gideon underscore Hill 18 on Twitter. And you can find me, Steve, at Whitecaps Beat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. And give us a follow on Instagram, at AFTN Soccer. But that is it for this week's episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Looking forward to the Caps finishing up their road trip in New England this weekend. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the cat. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Yeah.